Hey everybody and welcome back to the Sander Lanch podcast. Today we are covering Mistborn, The Well of Ascension, chapters 38, 39, and 40, wherein an election starts and ends with a big fight and then happens anyway. Really brutal fight, actually, and I guess we'll, yeah, we'll get into that. Then uh, New King decides to make a cut a deal, or has kind of already cut himself a deal, I guess. And finally, Vin hurts her dog's feelings. I am Data, and with me is Dak, Joe, and Jamie. Hang on to something, everybody. The Sanderlanch is about to begin. Elders, tellers, keepers of the bygone treasures of the dirt. Russian string, we swivel and sing, and dig for the animals of the earth. And we try, try, try to keep a little beauty in the world. Yeah, so we finally we finally got some of that action that everyone's been hankering for, but like I said, some just really brutal action in this one. Yeah, but like you said, like the action did not stop the politicking. They just like like dusted themselves off and went and did it another house. Yep. That is exactly what happened. So what did you guys think of these three chapters? These were these were fun. More Straff and Zane is never something I really, I think I'm ever really going to enjoy, but it, you know, it kept the story moving, um, showed another insight into Penrod, and I kind of thought, oh, I was never sure about that guy. Like, he seemed okay, but I'm just like, the ones who seem okay usually wind up being colossal dicks. So, But by the same token, he's still openly telling Straff to his face, your son is not a bad man, so I guess it's just out of necessity. But yeah, like again, great conversations between Vin and Orisur about that sort of things, and that fight scene was pretty good, especially how it ended. The headbutt of doom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it made me honestly it made me think of like Tarantino, how some of his stuff gets really gory. Mm, um, yeah, I can see that. Like uh like maybe a uh, kill bill sort of Yeah. Thing. Well she does the eye popping and then the Yep. The head yep. destroying and that's very kill cool, Bill. Yep. <clears throat> so these chapters were, whew, I don't know. I don't know how to feel. I feel weird. I don't feel right. This feels wrong. No, they were good. I just the fighting was probably a little too gory for me. I know I kept claiming, wanting action, 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 but like this is this was rough. Yep. And then of Careful course what it, you wish for. Yeah, exactly. And then it leads <laughs> yeah. to like it leads to like this very tense feelings between Elend and Vin. Probably Vin is feeling more tense about it than he is, but it's just very strange between them now and that's that's never good. And so the vote was not unexpected. I kind of put the pieces together before the reveal in the next chapter because it made sense. And then I just felt really bad at the end of the last chapter because I'm like, oh, that sucked. But anyway, yeah, I, once again, really enjoyed these. I was pretty glad that we got that that fight scene. But, yeah, I, I found myself physically cringing <laughs> when, it, when it got to certain parts. I was like, oh, man, this is this is quite a picture that we've, <laughs> we've got here. But, yeah, really, really enjoyed that. I am pleased that Orso came to help. But as soon as he did, I was like, oh, man, you're not allowed to do that, which, I mean, they explain later, but... No, I was really, really engaged with the the whole lot that was happening. So I feel like we're starting to get that all these things happening. We sort of saw that in the last episode that we recorded as well. Lots of little bits from 
all sorts of different viewpoints, so which sort of still continued a bit in these chapters. But yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, there was there's definitely some interesting stuff, especially we get some really uh, some interesting world infer. I guess I almost said world building, although it kind of is some some history stuff at the in that last chapter with Vin. So we're learning things even as we're getting gory, uh, eye popping fights. It's kind of cool. <laughs> and I managed to make it to the record today without locking myself in anything, so that's also good. Everyone's uh, well done. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> so. The listeners should be like, what the hell does that mean? I don't think we recorded any context yeah. from that. No, we didn't. <laughs> They're not going to know. <laughs> so yesterday before the record, listeners, so I'll, I'll, I'll tell everybody so everyone can laugh. It's or, fine. Or, 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 or don't. Just leave them hanging. We we have twin toddlers, and they have started opening doors. So we had to install locks on the outside of all of the doors to stop babies from being able to open them. And the problem is if you are inside one of the rooms – and somebody locks it, you cannot get out, which is what happened to me immediately before we were supposed to record yesterday. And I'm like messaging people, being like, I'm sorry, I'm going to be late. I'm locked in a room. And it, it was it was hilarious and sad. Yeah. And I mean, I don't live that far away. I offered to come <laughs> help. But, uh, <laughs> we we got out. Like, it was he's fine. like, nah, nah, I've been locked in a place before I can get out of here. <laughs> I think he's going to MacGyver it. He pulled out some bobby pins and. Uh, some thumbtacks and some rubber bands and some glue, and he figured it Why out. Why were those in the baby's room? <laughs> yeah, no, that would be a bad place for those. Joe's comment, I believe, uh, reading here was, wow, that sounds ridiculous. And I was like, yes, yes, it does. Anyway, so there's the backstory on that random comment. I hope everyone enjoyed. Let's get into these three chapters for this week. So first is the assembly. And we get the reveal. I mean, Ellen's like, hey, by the way, um, something happened and I don't have time to tell you. It's fine. Which I felt is a little bit of a cheat. Like, you had some time. You guys talked about other stuff. You could have mentioned this. Also, like, they made a point of they got to the assembly early to greet everyone yeah. before they all got there. Was there no time then? <laughs> well, I mean, they spend the first part of the chapter talking about, like, oh, we never did get to dance, did we? And whatever. So, uh, come on. If Ellen yeah. wanted to, he could have said something. I, I feel like that's like they see each other back at the keep and then like they meet up for breakfast or whatever and say, all right, we're going to we're going to the assembly hall. And Ellen says, by the way, I got to tell you something. Yeah. How, how is that something you leave out? But he leaves her to figure it out. And she kind of does as he's speaking before he announces it. She figures out what he did. So was anyone surprised by Ellen's move to join the Church of the Survivor in order to try to grab some votes? I was surprised, and I thought it was a bad plan, and it ended up being a bad plan. Why did you think it was a bad plan? I just, I mean, I just didn't think that. That's like any power, just trying to be like, oh look, I'm, I can be a part of this church now, so that you will like me. It, it, he's basically putting himself in a position where he, if he had run this plan by Tinwell, I'm pretty sure she would be like, no, <laughs> because this is like he's putting himself in a position where he's now under the influence of this church whereas before he was the king indisputably and didn't matter what the church said this church is kind of an underground movement at this point so even though lots of the ska follow it it's it, it was not it was not a great plan it seemed like a good plan to him and it did get him some votes i guess but as we're gonna find out it didn't end up mattering so not in terms of it doesn't matter in terms of him being king, but he's still, you know, a powerful public figure who's still a part of this church, and they might still want him to 
become an, a heavy influencer for them. So, yeah, there's no telling. I mean, we don't even know if there's any sort of centralized authority within this new church or if it's just random people like Demu proclaiming themselves preachers of this church and preaching stuff. So it's hard to tell what it even entails, like joining this church. Like it might give someone authority over him, but who? We don't know. And that's how Ellens became Pope. Well, it's like, you know, he's not king anymore, but now he's now he's the Pope. It's like, all right, cool. <laughs> so Vin is sitting here thinking about stuff, and this is where we get some of the information about how the election actually works. Finally, there's 24 votes because there's 24 members of the assembly. And Vin says that Set needs two-thirds majority to get the throne. Presumably, that means anyone would need two-thirds majority. I don't think that – exclusive to Set, but – well, I think that was it. For, they said that was it for Set and Penrod, but if it went to a deadlock, then Ellen got it by default. So Right. So if somebody doesn't get that majority, then there's no time for another vote at this point. Ellen would it would go back to him for – and he says like a period of – I forget how long, like a month or a year or something weird. We'll, we'll get there. Yeah. So it's interesting that it's not just like a simple majority or anything, or in this case it might even be a plurality because there's three of people running. But no, you have to get two-thirds to win. And Vin figures out what he's about to say just before he says it. And she's like, oh, you joined the Church of the Survivor. And she doesn't seem, like, upset about it. But she's not super comfortable with it either. Which makes sense, because this church considers her, like, divine or something. I think it's less about that and more just feeling like she's she's starting to think more about what Zane has said. It's like, he's he's yep. using you. He's not going to share his plans with you. And um, he's just going to use you as, like, a figurehead for him for himself. And it's kind of what he's doing. It is a little bit of what he's doing. And he even, I guess he even kind of mentions in here that it's like, it's a drastic move, put joining the church and putting himself under the spiritual authority of an external group. But Ham and Damu thought it was a good idea. Oh, well, if they thought it was a good idea, it must be great, right? Yeah, he had time to tell Ham. Yeah, he had time to tell Ham. So, of course, he, he was standing with Ham when he was like, I was about I to say, in fairness, Ham was right there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I guess. If you said, Fine, I have an idea. He had time next... to talk to Damu about it. If he, if, he, if he had said, I have an idea right next to that guy, and then just walked off and not told him, that, that would have been a dick move. <laughs> that would have been, you're right. Well, especially since Ham is like his bodyguard and follows yeah. him everywhere. It's like, I have a plan. What is it? Walk away. <laughs> I'm not telling right. you. <laughs> All right, then he, he had time to tell Demu. Well, he would have had to. He would have had to go and talk to someone in the church. Yeah. You can't just turn right. up and go, All right, fine. Oh, yeah, My point is he had time now. to talk to other people before he spoke to Vin. <laughs> Well, and, and we find out later that he's kind of like I, as part of talking to Damu, it was like spread the word among the ska that I'm going to do this so that we get this groundswell of support from the ska assemblyman. Because if it was possible for him to get the full one third of the assembly that's ska plus his own vote, there w it, it wouldn't be possible for somebody else to win that two thirds majority. But we find out also later that not all the ska uh, care for the Church of the Survivors. So and. In the middle of uh, the speeches about who should be king, somebody gets up and starts to attack. And Ellen's like, wait, what? And we get how many people? We got like three pewter burners, three thugs or so, and I think two coin shots. Yeah, I thought there were three coin shots as well, but maybe you're right. There might be. Let's see. Yeah, there no, were three there was three groups six, of people. Six men in total. Okay. Uh, but we know... I think later it's mentioned that, like, Alamancers attack Vin, but not necessarily some of the other groups. But, or uh, attack Elland, really, because they're going after Elland. But somebody's also out there attacking Set's people, and uh, 
that soldiers are fighting back against them. And one is attacking the front row to distract the guards there from the fight that's going on on the actual stage. Yeah, okay, so the man smiled and was joined by a group of five friends. So yeah, six total, you're correct. Three thugs and three likely-to-be-coin shots or lurchers. Yep, okay, so three and three. It's So it's kind of Strathventure's dirty half-dozen, maybe? Yeah, I guess, given what we find <laughs> out later. Yeah, we, we find out for sure. I mean, did, did anyone think that this wasn't the moment when, like, Strath's Alamancers were attacking before we find out in the next chapter? I just kind of figured we've been, all been waiting so long for the Dirty Dozen attack that it would just be like, oh, okay, that's what's going on. Yeah, that's what I figured. Uh, but then I got yeah. confused when Zane was lying to her, and I was like, wait, what, what? And then I was like, wait, he's lying. All right, he's a bad guy. Got it. I was, um, I was a bit unsure, I guess... I. My own stupid expectations, I thought when we finally got the Dirty Half Dozen, we would learn more about them as characters before we saw them in action. And that turned out to be not the case. So that's that, that that's on my, that's on me. Yeah, I don't think we even get a single name. No, like, the most we get is Vin, Vin, thinks, Vin thinks one of them, she saw one of them at Set's place, which is like, mm-hmm. that could be true. He could have been a spy inserted by Zane into Set's camp and then pulled out. Yeah, and it was... We know that during the meal she was having with Set, she felt like that there were pewter burners in the room disguised as like serving staff. So yeah, I just also figured she thought he looked familiar because he somewhat resembles Elland, but maybe mm-hmm. that's not true. That's true. And so Elland actually uh, doesn't completely humiliate himself. I mean, he pulls out a sword and then one of the coin shots immediately like throws it out of his hand, basically. Or no, I'm sorry, Vin. Sorry, I misread the, the sentence here. Vin reaches behind herself and pulls Ellen's sword from its sheath with iron and catches it and then throws it at one of the teams. So she steals his sword, which he shouldn't have anyway because one of these guys will like turn it around and stab him with it or something. Well, see, I was kind of amazed that Ellen even had any metal on him. Mm. It just – if they're going to attack you, just providing the Alamancers with a weapon. <laughs> so it's like, really? Really? You, yeah. you know, Vin's got wooden hair barrettes in. Yet the king still has a metal sword. Doesn't make any sense. Well, like, well that was the weapon that Tenbo was having him train in, wasn't it? Yep. I think he trained sword so, and staff. Or, uh, or oh, cane, did he? Okay. Dueling cane, because that's the, the noble but they can weapon. Have, like, obsidian, they can have obsidian daggers and all sorts of stuff, too. Like, surely you wouldn't arm your king with metal. He, I, he yeah, really hasn't point. Point. dealt with a lot of alimantic attacks, because usually Vin takes care of them before they get to him. So mm. he's just not as, I think, you know, savvy about this kind of thing or not as aware of it constantly as Vin is. You think Vin might say something like, hey, maybe you shouldn't have that. But I guess she uses it. Yeah. And so the coin shots are basically there trying to uh, keep her from using any metal is what she thinks while the thugs do the actual attacking. And she starts out pretty well. Like she kicks a guy and knocks him down and injures uh, his, some guy's legs and kind of takes him out of the fight for a while. Ellen finds himself a dueling cane so that he can kind of keep uh, help keep himself safe a little bit and not rely on Vin 100%. I like also she notes that like some of the assemblymen are just standing there and uh, making absolutely no moves to be helpful in any way. Jerks. Typical. I wonder what would have happened if some of them had died and then like how would the election go if some of the people who vote aren't there anymore? and it has to get done today. That's why they move it later is because they've run out of time to put it off. <laughs> I just like in the middle of the fight, Vince like, man, I really have to thank that dressmaker. Like he's good. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's when Vin breaks the, the next most leg. important character, right? I want to see more of him. He was nice. 
this is this is our new court Taylor Wilford. <laughs> we know he's not a conjurer, so we'll let him hang out with us. Man, if it turned out he is a conjurer, that's someone playing oh, a long game. That would be a long game. <laughs> is Data is Data TNS up here? Is he a conjurer? And, and Data's like, oh, he's not a conjurer. Well, that'd be funny though, wouldn't it? Oh, ha, 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 ha. You mean like last time when I was like, hey, Jamie, now that you've said that you're not that excited for a fight anymore, you know it's going to happen right in the next chapter, right? And then it did. Yep. <laughs> and then I I also like there's at one point where coins start flying and she's like, they didn't have any coins. What's happening here? And a coin shot had just walked up to an assemblyman and been like, hey, give me your coins. <laughs> just just in the middle of a, of a um, skirmish, she just started mugging someone like, oh, wait, that's not what we're here for. <laughs> I just had this image in my head. I was like, is there seriously no metal detectors <laughs> or anything in this place? <laughs> is there any security screening as you're going into one of the most important assembly meetings ever? Like, well, literally no one's checked out. <laughs> okay. I, I mean, having coins is not a – everyone probably has some coins. The coin shot specifically didn't bring any because they didn't want it used against them. But At least take their dueling canes away. <laughs> okay, that's fair. <laughs> That would be pretty obvious. Guys walking around with dual. <laughs> Sir, are you expecting to fight a duel in the middle of this assembly? Uh, maybe. Sir, hand it the fuck over. <laughs> you never know when you might need to fight a duel, okay? But then is she's she's hampered by the fact that she has to keep protecting Ellen and still fight like these six guys, so she can't you know be as crazy and fly all over the place as she normally would. It's like when you're in a video game and it's like one of those uh, escort quests, and I hate those. Oh, yeah. So she's got an escort well, quest for Ellen. It's sad. Going on record. Mission, but worst. I'm on full health. <laughs> yeah. The, um, going on record, the worst escort quest in a video game is in the first Fable game when you have to escort the guys through the Dark Forest and then one of them's a werewolf and then uh, he turns on you and then you have to uh, not die from werewolf attack. It's the worst one. Well, the game Ico is like one big version of one of those quests, so... Although it's kind of fun. I guess I shouldn't say that. Like, it's like the worst game ever. But it's 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 a decent game. I don't know why we're going into this. I just, I was going to say <laughs> that she is accommodating for this by coming up with a strategy. Like, this guy attacks her and she's like, if I burn Duralumin and Pewter, then I can take the hit and still kill the guy. And then I've, I'm one guy down. Of course, that also means that she runs out of Pewter. But... She takes the risk here to take out one of the thugs. And she so she downed one by breaking his leg. She kills the other one by taking the, the cane hit like directly so that she can bur- uh, push through it and stab the guy in the chest. And she was still moving quickly enough to drop a coin shot with a dagger. So really she got two for the price of one with that move. Except now she's in horrible pain because she's just taken this hit and she has no more pewter. And I did think like... After after she takes these two down, she's like one thug left, and I'm going, wait a minute, that can't that can't be right. Only one of them died. Like what happened? To, what happened to the third one? And I was flipping back through, and I was like, uh, I can't see anything. Let's keep reading. And then it turns out that's actually vitally important at the end of the fight. <laughs> yeah, and I don't. I mean, she breaks his leg, and he goes down, and she kind of ignores him after that, which, like you say, is vitally important at the end. I don't know that I thought that he would be getting up and fighting on a broken leg either. So maybe it's fair that she thought he was down. I don't know. Mm. but she pulls her backup vial from her sleeve and the coin shot's like, haha, nope, pushed. And she also has a coin wound in her shoulder from when she got hit. I may have skipped that bit, but between these wounds that she's taking and no pewter, she's 
almost out of it. And that's when our dog friend jumps into the fray and takes a blow that's meant for her and knocks a guy down. He knocks a thug down, and then the thug punches him in the head, cracking his skull, which, oh, geez. This is, this is really just like a brutal fight, as we said before. And there he's yeah. not pulling any punches this time. But really, Orser, aside from saving her by knocking the guy down and taking, like, a killing blow to the head, he's really here because, hey, he has that vial hidden inside of him, which I don't know if anyone had forgotten about, but it's been a while since we talked about it. Unfortunately, no, I hadn't forgotten about it. <laughs> <laughs> and she gets it and downs it and now we are ready to fight again i wonder if like any of the opposition saw this happening it's like what is happening to that duck what the fuck <laughs> as the vial just pops out like that's hardcore she had a, the dog bringing her metal inside him inside his body <laughs> and so uh the thug goes after her some more and misses her barely and smashes orsor's back which I, I feel like that's she's just pissed off now. You're beating up her dog, which may be why instead of punching him in the face, she puts one finger out and pops oh. his eye out of the socket. She goes full John Wick. Oh, that's so <laughs> gross. <laughs> I feel like it would have been less gross, even if it was like, you know what? There wasn't like a pencil or something around, like like anything else you could have poked his eye, but your finger, like, oh. <laughs> it's, it's not the pencil trick from Dark Knight. It's the finger. Yeah. yeah, and I, I don't I don't know that it says anything, but I, I'm just picturing as if from as if from actually that Kill Bill scene where it's like the eye comes out and then she kind of just looks at it and drops it. I don't know why that's just, <laughs> that's the way I see it. Ugh. And uh, while he's distracted by the fact that his eye just got poked out, which, yeah, you would be. She stabs him in the chest. It did sort of make me wonder in a very morbid kind of way. It's like, all right, he's got pewter. So when you when you're burning pewter, you don't feel injuries as much. You got more endurance. You got more strength and everything. But having your eye popped out is like—is that just where the the threshold ends? Is like like how far does the tolerance go? Like what injuries are just too much for you to ignore? I feel this like this is the sort of shit that goes through my head. With an eye popping, there is the pain element, and I'm sure that hurts like hell. But there's also elements of shock that you no longer have an eye, and suddenly sure. you can't see the way that you normally see, and so it's like it may be like half pain and half just like shock at what That's just fair. happened. It would be I, – oh, I, I can't even imagine. I'm not even going to – anyway, so now, as far as she knows, there's just two coin shots left, and she turns around, and the coin shots are like, oh, this is bad, and they try to run. You left out the fact that Ellen was actually doing pretty well against him. Yeah, I mean, he says Ellen's training had think- apparently been enough to keep him alive, but only because his opponents had to keep an eye on Vin to make sure she didn't try using coins herself. I mean, let's be honest, that's still better than – a lot of us would have expected Ellen to do so. Oh, good job, Ellen. Yeah. And I I guess it was a point in this fight where I was like, ah, Ellen's going to (laughs) die. Oh, really? I had, I had no faith. I was like, no, something terrible is going to happen. Ellen's going (laughs) to, Ellen's going to be gone. That would be unexpected. Kind of sad after like his whole like character arc in this book. And it's like, nah, dead now. Yeah. So what you're saying is what you're saying is he's going to die later. Can you imagine what Vin would do if Ellen died? His character arc is over. <laughs> She'd oh, become you, the Hero of Ages or whatever. She'd you, be like, you think you? his character arc is over, do you? Ooh. Mm. No. no, no. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> she'd, she'd go a full Homestar runner and be like, you broke my boyfriend! <laughs> and then, like, you know, Super Saiyan and stuff. Oh, I think oh, everyone Jesus. would get a headbutt. 
Oh. <laughs> Goodness. Well, it's, like, yeah, it's like she just, just burnt, burns Duralumin and Pewter and then, like, launches herself with, um, with uh, like, iron pushing and just, like, sort of, like, uses her head as a battering ram and goes through several people at once. Oh. Why do I yeah. think of these things? Okay. But... Just going back to where we were, because this is like Vin's badass action hero moment. She kicks up the staff of the guy she just killed, like up into the air, catches it. And the coin, one of the coin shots tries to like shoot away into the air. She like swats him out of the air and then turns around and downs the other coin shot who is trying to run away. Like this is her like flying through the window. Last book, badass, like action hero moment, I feel like of this book. Yeah. Uh, well, are you setting us up for disappointment? Like, there's not going to be anything more than this? <laughs> yeah, this is the last fight in the whole book. I'm sorry, guys. It's sad. <laughs> I, I, um, I mean, it was cool. Don't get me wrong. But I think uh, a lot of the other stuff that happens in the fight kind of overshadows the cool factor for me. Mm, well, what, sure. what happens immediately afterwards definitely does. Yep. Right. Because she's sitting there and like, hey, man, Ellen did okay. I'm not too bad off. We're doing good. And Ellen's like... Finn! This is once again, this is like the end of Die Hard, where it's like another action hero moment where he's like hobbling away and he's finally won. And then someone screams out and he turns around and that last guy is standing there that he thought he killed. It's, it's like, I thought you were dead, Carl. And it's like, it, it's like that Boondock Saints uh, thing where he's like, yeah, that was way easier than we thought. Like, there's always that one guy in the movies who like jumps out from behind the couch at the end and you gotta put like 10 bullets in him and then this is that guy coming back and puts her in like a chokehold and picks her up off the ground and is choking her out. And there's not much she can do because she says here when she can move around, she's got that strength, but she's also got the agility and stuff, but she has no way to get any leverage or to move at all. Once this guy has her in this chokehold from behind, like off the ground, she's lost all of her advantages more or less. And, she realizes she only has as she's like starting to black out. And this is the guy that she thinks she recognizes. She's like, where did I see this guy before? Like as she's starting to black out that she has that thought. And then, uh, she has one final option where she burns Duralumin and pewter again and headbutts the guy. And the line is the man's head exploded as easily as the eyeball had earlier. So that's nice. Your head explode. Oh gosh. Yeah, it just, uh, you know, it's like you shot Marvin in the face. Like, it's just gross. Yep, yep. (laughs) Oh, man, I shot Marvin in the face. It's like that scene from The Boys where she crushes that dude's head with her butt. Like, it's just nasty. And she looks up and sees Ellen's, like, face as his, like, pure white uniform is, like, covered in blood from the exploding head. Probably some brain matter, too. You know how that is. Bits of skull and shit. And she thinks that he just looks horrified at what he's seeing, and then she passes out. Which is when we leave her point of view, which makes sense. <laughs> and we cut to Ham being like, yeah, she'll live. She's not actually hurt that badly. Or not for Vin, anyway. <laughs> it's like, Vin's had worse. It's fine. And Ellen is kind of, like, shell-shocked at this point. And Ham's like, what, what? What's, what's the problem? And he's like, look, dude, I know <laughs> you see fighting all the time, but I'm not used to heads exploding and shit, okay? <laughs> I like how even Ham's like, well... You know, uh, not really used to exploding heads either. This was a little nuts, but yeah. (laughs) Ham's just like, well, I mean, she's misborn, dude. What did you expect? A thug can easily take down 10 men, dozens, if he has a coin shot to support him. So I feel like 
Ham apparently led a crew of thugs. If this is true, Ham should have had a crew of thugs and coin shots. Like, seriously. Yeah. Maybe they're hard to find. We we honestly don't see that many, or I don't remember if we see any just coin shots. We still saw some coin shots in the first book, didn't we? Yeah. I think. Yes. Yes, we did. Okay. And we definitely they saw some in the first fight. coin shot book. then, I think. I feel like they did, like, I think the new one that we got in this book was Lurcher. We hadn't heard Lurcher before because we didn't see any iron burning people in the first book. Oh, okay. I thought it was the other way around. I could be wrong. Yeah. Not not that it's super relevant, but I, it, it just seems like they're kind of rare, I feel like, is the point that I was making. Yeah. And uh, Ellen has his picture of Vin stumbling towards him in her white ball gown covered in gore. The gore of the man she just killed with her forehead. That's using your head. Yeah. Okay. No? Okay. And I'm, I'm, I'm with you, but it's also <laughs> really disturbing, so. Yeah, yeah. What you ought to do is find a good man with two eyes and poke one poke out. Poke one out. <laughs> she sure did. She sure did. No, she didn't. Oh, Vin did just now. Okay, sorry. I was like, Leela never did that as far as I know. <laughs> so apparently Set lost some of his soldiers when they attacked him. And Han- nobody nobody except Vin made it up onto stage in like the, the few minutes it took her for this fight to happen. She took out six guys in a few minutes. And Ham even points out, he's like, look. This was actually really impressive. Like, it's one thing to fight six Alamancers, which is a thing Vin does, but to do it while keeping anybody else, including the one guy you're trying to, to protect and they're trying to attack from harm, that's that's like a whole thing. And they start noting that she's doing some stuff that should be impossible even for normal by normal Vin standards, like, you know, exploding heads. And Ellen's like, do you remember when she saved Breeze? And I could swear I saw her throwing horses through the air. And Ham's like, yeah, you know, I don't know, man. I don't know what to tell you, bro. <laughs> Girlfriend's vicious, dude. I don't know what to say. <laughs> Just uh, don't get on her bad side, okay? Don't break up with her. Seriously. <laughs> but uh, somebody shows up to say, hey, the voting is happening up at uh, Penrod's house. And Ellen's like, yeah. I mean, Ham's kind of outraged by this. And Ham, uh, Ellen's like, well, dude, they have to pick somebody today. If they don't pick somebody Ham, today. Ham, isn't... Sorry. Ham's outburst also is... Uh... Like noteworthy considering like Breeze just told us in the last few chapters like Ham doesn't get doesn't pick fights randomly so the fact that he is just pissed off and yelling here is just like shit Ham is pissed I hadn't thought of that that's a really good point we're about to see a second head explode <laughs> but then we we cut straight to the vote and it starts with Penrod saying I vote for myself and Ellen thinking not unexpected which yeah I'm not even sure why you need to say that and we get one guy. Or two guys voting for Set. Ellen voting for himself, obviously. And that's when we get to Philin, the merchant who brought Set into this whole thing in the first place. And he's like, well, I vote for Penrod. And it lines up where all of the merchants are now voting for Penrod. And he's like, wait, what What just happened? Like, Philin snuck this guy into the city in the first place. What is going on? Set didn't even show up for the vote. But I mean, he doesn't have to vote. He just has to wait on the outcome. So that's fair. Yeah. And then two, uh, the, these two brothers, a canal worker and his brother, vote for Penrod also. And they're the two that he's like, oh, yeah, they didn't really like the Church of the Survivor. And the final two ska also vote for Elland. So he's got, what is that? That's six ska and himself. So that's seven out of the 24 votes. And that splits it with two for set, 15 for Penrod, and seven for Elland. Nobody got the two-thirds majority that they needed to become king. And Elland's like, oh, man. We did it. Close call. Yeah, it was, it was, 
that was a close one. Got kept my throne. And then somebody's like, wait a second, can I, can I change my vote? Which uh, now that we've come to this part of the book, I have to say, why in the hell would you let people change their vote? It does what, seem what, weird. I what agree. purpose does that serve you? Like if you if you're gridlocked and you have a stipulation for being gridlocked, then what's the point of be of having that stipulation if people can just change their vote? Really, in Ellen's mind, it may have been because you don't want to necessarily use the there's no result thing. When he was playing this out as a theoretical exercise, he's like, well, no, maybe it makes sense where if they can't come to a result and some people are allowed to change to so that we actually get a king. Ugh, that's so ridiculous. <laughs> I, I read this thing, this bit just thinking, man, Tinwheel is going to hate this. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so true. Oh. Oh, it's such a terrible, terrible law. And, of course, nice guy Ellen's like, y- yeah, you can change your vote. Yeah. Nobody in the room, except for our good friend Norton and Ellen, know how the law works. Nobody understands it. So they're all just turning and looking at each other like, well, I don't know, can you can you change your vote? I don't know. Which, in all fairness, I mean, if he had said, no, you can't change your vote, I'm king again, then – Te- they could just go read the law and figure out he lied to us. That's true, but I feel like they'd probably yeah. trust Ellen based on his reputation in these sort of situations and the fact that he wrote it. They'd probably be like, okay, because like you said, on the surface, it doesn't make a lot of sense to be allowed to change your vote. So, yeah. right, like he looks like, over at Norton, and Norton's just like, hey man, I'm not going to say anything if you don't. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's like if I chose to vote for a third party in an election, and then I'm like. Well, now that I think about it, it's clear that third party's not going to win. I'll just change my vote so that it means something. If you think about it, it gives the people who vote – it gives the people who vote for the candidate that is not going to win, or really it gives anybody's vote if they decide to change it, the most power. It's like I'll just go wait to the end and I'll change my vote. Well, if it gives anybody's vote the most power, then it's equal, right? So I guess. It just doesn't make sense. The two noblemen, after Ellen, as you said, he's like, yes, the law lets you change your vote. You can only do it once, and it's got to be before a winner is officially declared. See, you should have pushed for somebody to be faster, be like, okay, I guess the vote's over. Yeah, yeah, he should have been like, Penrod, it's over. But uh, the other two noblemen who had voted for Set originally and now realize what huge suckers they were, they're like, we vote for Penrod, and Penrod becomes king. Yeah, and it was at this moment when they changed their votes that I'm like, okay, well, there's something behind this. If Set was willing to offer these guys titles, you bet your ass Straff is willing to do that. What, what does he yeah. care? Yeah. So I, I kind of put the pieces together before we get the reveal in the next chapter. But it was – I mean it's not really that hard to figure out that Penrod's in bed with Straff because he's a nobleman. Straff's a nobleman. Like they're going to do their thing. He wanted to give the city to Straff originally. Well, and it's funny because in just recently in a chapter, when Set showed up, Penrod was like, hey, if I have to choose between Straff and Set, I'm going to choose Set because Straff is an asshole. But apparently that's not true. Yeah. Right. Unless he's getting Set to slit Straff's throat with Set. I mean, I don't know. Well, and I mean, maybe it's just because he gets to be king out of the deal, and that's like an added cherry on top for him that he makes that decision. But Yeah. yeah. Well, that's a bonus that he wasn't expecting, I don't think, though. Mm. But we move into part four knives and uh knives uh, knives chow 
Yes, Knives Chow. Exactly. Okay. No, no, no. Uh, what's Millions Dragon. Knives? It's Millions Knives, yeah. Yeah, that one's good, too. <laughs> I like that Dak went exactly where I was going with, with my thought. I'm sitting here trying to figure out yep. Millions Knives, and Dak's like, it's Trigon. I know what you're saying. <laughs> 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 I'm, on, I'm on your page. Nice. Uh, so, Quan is saying, now, see, I know what you're going to say. We have these prophecies. Of course, the Hero of Ages is going to fit the prophecies perfectly. That's the whole idea. Which, on its own, doesn't make that much sense. It, no, it really doesn't. The whole, I know your argument, I'm like, is he addressing this to someone? Like, did he le- like have the epigraphs not included at the top saying, DS members of the Synod or something? Mm. <laughs> I feel like yeah. it's to whom it may concern. yeah it it really doesn't make sense because and of course we don't know their history we don't know their track record of other prophecies if they were proven or if this is their only prophecy but it's like you know are all their prophecies perfect did every prophecy come true exactly as it was foretold because if so maybe then the the keepers the the terracemen have a leg to stand on here they're like well all their other prophecies that have come true have been exactly correct but if not, then there is such a thing as something being too perfect. Well, my my objection to this is in the previous book, when we had Alendi's writings, he seemed to think that like these prophecies applied to him in very like weird ways. He's like, maybe my many marriages give me a bloodless bond to the world's kings looked at from a certain perspective. Like he thought that they were kind of vague and maybe maybe fit him, maybe didn't. And now Quan is talking about, yeah, he fit too perfectly to our prophecies yeah and also lindy i mean dude why'd you have to have so many marriages what's what's the deal (laughs) (laughs) it's a good question actually which we may never know the answer to because he's been dead a thousand years that i don't know you you make a bold statement like that who knows (laughs) okay okay we'll see He's he's still stuck in the bottom of the world. It's like, hello, hello, help. Is there like a collie that can help me? <laughs> Tell somebody or I'm stuck in this well. <laughs> or sore. Barking. Yep. It's like, like Lindy's this... trapped in the well. <laughs> Why does he have to bark? <laughs> he can't talk. He's getting a <laughs> whole... character. That's what they do. Oh, this okay. whole thing's oxymoronic. I'm in a well, but I'm slowly ascending. And then... <laughs> Descending again. Okay. We, we, oh my gosh. We cut to Zane and Strap. Hello. Oh, sorry. And Strap is pissed (laughs) off because Zane got all of his extra children killed. Yeah, it's it 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 says says in the chapter he's like only destroyed destroyed a third of them. So he's still got like another another twelve kids out there. (laughs) You know, raring to go against uh, Tinville's Ferrakhan's children. So I wonder if he just took... So the Dirty like, Dozen could still turn up. Yeah, I yep. guess so. Now there's a Dirty Dozen. Yeah, these six, <laughs> these six were the warm-up act. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, he's I very, if he's, he's counting Zane among those. He's very Lord Ruler here. He's like, do you know how hard those are to replace? <laughs> do you know how much boning I had to do? It's, it's not <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Game, I enjoyed okay? it. I enjoyed it a little, <laughs> but it was work. <laughs> And Zane's trying to play it off. Like, no, I thought that that would work. I thought that they could get him. And Straff is seeing through that. He's like, Zane did this on purpose. Otherwise, he would have helped. He would have been in that fight. What is Zane planning? I don't know, man. I don't think even Zane knows. Yeah. yeah. But 
Zane has not apparently shared with his father the entirety of uh, his plan here because he's like, I think you'll be surprised, father. You soon will not have to worry about her. And Straff's like, she thinks that I tried to have her king assassinated. And Zane's like, no, I don't think she does. She's too clever for that. And Straff's like, too clever to see the truth. All right, then. <laughs> yeah, it really doesn't make much sense. And I guess Zane's saying, you won't have to worry about her soon, because soon she'll be with me and we'll be off together. You know, yeah. like, I don't I don't understand where he's coming from here. Pretty sure that's. The yeah, plan. I feel like. Yep. But also, this is where he just like at one point starts talking to himself and Straff's like, oh, he's doing that thing again. <laughs> yep. He's like, I forget that my kid's insane. Zane's sitting here. No, he's my father. No, not them either. Yeah, that would be. Um, I wonder if Straff knows. Just kill them, kill them. Yeah. That's what it's saying, obviously. I wonder if Straff knows that's what the voice is saying. Like, has he gotten <laughs> in, into his son's life enough to figure out what the craziness is? Or is he just like, oh, whatever. <laughs> I also love how he's just like, no, shut up, God. I'm not going to do it. God, not now. <laughs> stop it. Stop it. Stop it. I will destroy, I will destroy you. you. Yep. <laughs> but this is where he meets up with Penrod, and we find out that uh, Penrod has cut a deal with Straff to uh, give the city over to Straff instead. And it's interesting because it sounds like, because Penrod says, Philin and his merchants want assurances that they will have titles to match those that Set promised them. So it sounds like, I mean, Set was going to give everyone on the assembly titles, which would have included the eight Ska. It sounds like Penrod cut this deal with Philin and the merchants and left the Ska out in the cold to go back to being slaves after Straff takes the city. Well, yeah, they're not going to get titles because, yeah, Straff's going to go back to the Lord Ruler days where the Ska worked for them. He's not he's not handing these Ska people titles and lifting them up. They're going to go right back in the dirt where they were. Well, I mean, and Set was going to put all the Ska back to work, too, but... He was going to give the eight on the assembly titles so they would, I guess, become noblemen. So this right. is pretty cold-blooded here where he's like, I could yeah. have made a deal with everyone to wish, to switch to Straff, but nah, screw those uh, those eight ska. Well, maybe Straff, was the, maybe Straff was the decider on that. He's like, we're not lifting up these ska and giving mm-hmm. them titles. So they're going to go back to what they were doing. That could be. Yeah. Because Straff's interested in the merchants because they're bringing in tax revenue, he says. It's like Ellen said, um, you know, you don't make an alliance with Straff Venture. You agree to be subjugated by him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I think Penrod knows what he's doing here by by making getting in bed with Straff. He knows that he's going to be subjugated, and he and he's shown to be subjugated when he's like, you forget yourself or whatever, and he's like, yes, my lord. Like he knows, like, oh yeah, yep. uh, that's right. We're back to this. Like it's not it's not going to happen for me. So I really hope that this is a ploy to, to slit Straff's throat, but we'll see. The most Penrod tries to stand up to him is where he's like, and somebody mentioned earlier, he's like, your your son isn't a fool, Straff. He's just an idealist, and I'm kind of sad to see his little utopia fall. And Straff's like, if you're sad for him, Furson, then you're an idiot too. You're going to have to get used to being a small fish again, Furson. Uh, and apparently Penrod has a spy on the cooking staff in Ellen's uh, keep who is giving him a little bit of information about Vin's status. She spies all over the place, man. Some of them people, some of them bone people. Yep, bone blobs, sure, sure. And Penrod's like, no, you don't really have to worry about her. I mean, if the assembly votes for you, then the transfer will be legal, and she'll go along with it. And he's stressed, like, I really doubt she cares about the law. And Penrod's like, well, yeah, but Ellen does. And so if she goes along with him, you know? And then after this meeting is done and he's put 
Penrod in his place, as uh, Joe talked about a minute ago. They uh, they leave, and Zane's just like, hey, what uh, what time is it? Uh, <laughs> and Strap pulls out his pocket watch, something no Mistborn would carry because it's too much metal. So I guess it makes sense that Zane has to ask somebody else the time. And he's like, oh man, that poison should have gotten you by now. How do you do it, man? You're you good, you. <laughs> oh, Dad, you are so good. <laughs> he's he's like, you win again, and takes off. And the strap's like running back to his tent to be like, bring Amarantha in crapple, here. Crapple, to make crapple, 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 Running, crapple. running, running. <laughs> and he gets he his. He runs own. down one of his own soldiers. Yep. He'll yeah, you don't fuck. care. Yeah. He's like send for Amarantha. What makes think if Zane didn't give him, if Zane didn't give him the heads up that he was poisoned, would he have just died and not realized? Hmm. I honestly Probably. think Zane did it on, is doing it on purpose. I think he knows his dad's not really good at catching the poison all the time. So he and he, but I, at the same time, I don't think he really wants his dad to die right now. So I I hmm. got the sense that he was doing it on purpose. Like, hey, dad. Uh, what time is it? Man, that poison. Oh, well. Because it's not like he stays yeah. with his dad to hang out or like talk to him some more. He he intentionally leaves, which is kind of giving Straff the go-ahead to like, okay, now show some fear and let's get out of here. Like, it's okay to do that because Zane is gone. Yeah. And I think it's important Did to he... remember the first time that we saw the poisoning. Because he thought Zane was behind it, but Zane just said, like, this woman wanted a chance to do it. And so he kind of let her. And in his own mind, he was like, I wouldn't be using poison if I was going to kill him. I would just kill him, and I don't want to kill my dad. So So he didn't didn't select many poison at all. He just said that to make Straff freak out. Could be. Or it could be that it was another one of those situations where he knew someone else did it. Yeah. But I was going to say, it, it seems he was genuinely poisoned, because unless his panic attack is inducing, like, the symptoms of the poison, he's clearly feeling something by the time he gets back to the tent. Yeah, point. Let's see. What does it say here? Now I want to look at his his uh, symptoms. Could he feel the poison slowing his reactions? Rode down the guy. It says he wiped his brow with a hesitant hand. Too much sweat. Legs trembling as he closed the tent flap. Yeah, so those could just be panic-induced symptoms. I really thought the turn was going to be that he told his dad that, jumped off and left, and then he was going to ride back and find out that Amarenta was killed by Zane. (laughs) (laughs) That would have been funny, actually, yeah. But no, so Zane either poisoned him or didn't poison him or knew somebody else poisoned him. But, I mean, you're not wrong that giving him a heads-up seems weird, even if you're like, oh, man, that should have taken effect by now. Even if you were serious, that's a weird thing to say. To someone, Especially if you're trying since, to kill. Since God was just telling him to kill his dad anyway, like, he could have just said, no, shut up, the poison's got him. <laughs> or something. That that would have been a way more subtle way to inform Straff. He's like, no, I'm not going <laughs> to kill him. I already gave him the poison. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I really just thought he was messing like, oh. with him. It's like, ah, oh, you should be getting back. That poison will be getting you about now. Have <laughs> <laughs> yeah. fun, like, Dad. Bye. Just really play with him play on the fact that he is afraid so there not as much meat to the, that chapter i guess but uh we move into the third one where the uh the epigraph is kwan saying something seems too convenient about all of this it's almost like we were constructing a hero to fit our prophecies rather than allowing one to arise naturally this was a worry i had the thing that should have given me pause when my brethren came to me finally willing to believe 
So he was already doubting when they came and were like, you were right, man. And he's kind of like, was I, though? Yeah, but then they came saying, you're the announcer. And he was like, oh, hell yeah. (laughs) He's like, oh, well, I mean, I'm the guy that you guys have been looking down on my whole life being like, shut up with your cantries, think shit. So, okay, I'm going to take the praise. Don't be hating on the thinking trees, man. (laughs) (laughs) No, they were hating on the thinking trees. I know, I know. At the end of the, at the end of the, uh, the word wall, when we get to the end, he's going to carve, by the way, changing my name to Gemmel. <laughs> oh gosh. But Ellen is sitting beside Vin's bed. Is he reading a book? I don't know. It seems like he should be. When she yeah. wakes up. Yeah, she said he was. Okay. She's like, why? When she wakes up, he's like, why what? It's like, why are you here? I'm not dying. I remember that much. And he's like, I just wanted to be near you, Vin. And it's like, aw. And she realizes he's back in his old clothes. It's like, yeah, you know, not king. And she's like, oh, crap, set. And he says, Penrod. And she says, that doesn't make any sense. He's like, I know, right? That's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. <laughs> you got to wonder if Penrod is a better choice than set. But apparently Penrod just means getting straff. So maybe not. Well, they don't know that yet, though. That's true. Yeah. And again, the chapter ends fairly quickly after her conversation with Zane. But I feel like the first thing... She should have done and been like, oh, hey, by the way, so Penrod's making a deal with Straff. How would you know Penrod was making a deal with Straff? Didn't Zane tell her that? Am I misremembering? Oh. Okay, I'm sorry. I thought you meant at this point when she's talking to Ellen. That's no, after said. her conversation with Zane, the first thing she should have done is go talk to Ellen and be like, hey. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. And I, I like that he's he's thinking back on it and he's like, you know what? I, I thought that I was being the better man, but I never considered the one thing that actually would have kept Set from winning is to, like, throw my support behind Penrod. And then she uh, she touches him, and he flinches, and she's like, oh, God, he hates me. She's like, he's, he finally realized that he fell in love with a lie. And we get Reen's voice again, being like, he's betraying you. Everyone will leave you, Vin. Shut oh, up. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> and Ellen's like, man, I, all of this stuff happened, and I never really believed that I was going to lose. So now I don't now I don't know what to think. Which I feel like is supposed to be something on the readers, where it's like, you really thought that Ellen was going to win this, didn't you? Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know. when we. Took I mean, a, I did. Yeah, when we took a quick poll last time, I think we were two out of three that Ellen was going to get his kingship back. Yeah. Eh, it doesn't really matter. I mean, it doesn't really matter. In fairness, he didn't get it back now. I mean, this is not... I, I'm reading between the lines here. This is not going to go well. Like, the, the kingdom's going to be thrown up in upheaval. So uh, whether or not he was king, I don't think would have made in a, a giant difference um, for what's coming. Interesting point. We still have armies and stuff to deal with. So who's king? Maybe rearranging deck chairs yeah. in the Titanic or something at this point. Right. I mean, we got armies. We've got deepness mist. We've got the uh, inquisitors. Who knows what's going on with those guys? So, I mean, it's coming. Something's coming. Yeah. So there's an interesting section in the annotations here, the part three wrap up for the end of that part that we just finished. And he says, I named this section of the book King. However, that's supposed to be slightly ironic title since Ellen gets deposed at the end of part two, spends this entire section working to get his throne back and then eventually loses it anyway. The irony is that during this section, in my mind, Ellen really learned to be a king. Yet it's the place where he is, has it most brutally pounded into him that his rule is not wanted. 
idealism has a cost, or at least I think it should have a cost. If you're holding up your ideals as true, then you should have to be willing to sacrifice for them. Otherwise, it just doesn't feel right. I don't think that this is me forcing the story to prove a point. I think it's me trying to represent as accurately I can the way the world works. The measure of Ellen Venture is not going to be what kind of king he would make. It's going to be what kind of man he makes once he's been rejected. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense to me. I have, I, I feel like I'm a person that is very, like, I have to be true to myself and what I think is right, no matter what, because if I don't, then I'm phony, and I hate phony people. So I, I totally get what Brandon's saying here. It's like, it does come at a cost, because sometimes you're asked to compromise, or you're asked to change the way you view things for the betterment of a greater group or something, and that's very difficult. And so... I think Ellen's taking this moment here to kind of be like, well, maybe what I thought was right should have outweighed me wanting to be king. And uh, maybe what was right was not for me to be king. And maybe I made a mistake by trying to force myself down these people's throats when they clearly didn't want me in the first place. So I think he's kind of grappling with that, that idea of how do I justify what I think is right yeah. with what I wanted and what I what I wanted to do and what I wanted other people to want. Yeah, it's I can definitely see why he's struggling in this section to kind of figure out his place in the world at this point. And he like you say, he must have these really conflicting ideas going on right now. And you feel a little bit sorry for him, but he's still a rich nobleman, so maybe I don't know. <laughs> well, until his dad gets ready to kill him. That's true. Yeah, his dad's going to kill him. You know what's going to happen. Like That has got to be Straff's plan. He's not leaving this kid alive. I, can't, I keep calling him a kid. He's like mid-20s at this point. Well, he's a kid to Straff. Yeah. Uh, the annotations also outline Zane's plan, in case anyone hadn't put it together, that he's put he gets this guy into Set's entourage so that Vin sees him. Then he has these guys attack, so, and Vin recognizes it and puts together that... Uh, he can divert blame onto them. And he says, it's a win-win situation, except for the six half-brothers Zane just let get killed. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's a win-win for him, too. He knows he doesn't have to deal with them later. That's true. I wonder if the other mistings are, like, not... Th like, he just took all the pewter and coin shots, maybe, and so Straff's got, like, a bunch of soothers and, like, copper clouds and stuff just hanging out. Smokers, whatever they're called at this point. He's all, there's also this one thing that I want to touch on in, because it's kind of interesting. Because Straff, we just saw threaten Penrod, and he, he wants the adium, right? That's what he told Penrod, is like, this is the cost of you getting to stay king, is I want that adium. I know it's here. I mind it for the Lord Ruler. I know there's a crap ton of it. It's here. And what Brandon says is the really funny thing about all of this posturing, searching, and threatening in order to get the adium is this. Adium is worthless, or rather, it only has worth as long as people give it worth. In the minds of all the characters, this cash is a fabulous treasure. Don't judge them too harshly. Think how hard it would be for you to pass up gold or diamonds, even if you were in the middle of a catastrophe. Yeah. I mean, that's what I was about to say. Every item yeah. that is considered valuable ever is really only valuable because we assign it that value. Gold is a pretty yeah. gold stone. Well, and... to be fair, Adium has some actual use. Right. Exactly. And gold does, too. Not not as many uses, as, or not as powerful uses as Adium, because we don't live in yeah. a world like that. You know, gold, copper, silver, these things have uses in the real world that add value to it. But yeah. the amount of value that's assigned to precious metals like diamonds, gold, and silver 
is simply because diamonds are metal. Well, yeah, sorry, minerals <laughs> and rocks, whatever it is yeah. they are. It's simply because we think they're pretty. But uh, he, he goes on to say, true, adium can be used by a mistborn to do some pretty amazing things, and we just touched on that. Like it's pretty badass, right? However, you don't need a whole cache for that. Zane has proven that he has enough adium to kill Vin if he wants. And so more really isn't necessary for the ventures. Of course, there's another worry that their enemies will get it. And that will let the enemies use their misborn to assassinate without fear of repercussion. So I guess that's still a concern. It's all posturing, right? I mean, they want to have it so that they look the biggest and baddest. Yep. So anyway, back to Ellen. He says that he has to either admit that his faith in the people was wrong or he has to trust the decision that they made. Which, yeah, I mean, I guess that's what it comes down to. If you actually trust these people, then you have to go with what they want and not keep trying to force yourself on them if yourself is not what they want. Yeah, my respect for Ellen keeps growing in the, in this book, I think. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just I mean, he has these good ideas, and I think we've probably all agreed that they're pretty good ideas, but he continually shows that like he's willing to stand by his ideas and like his ideals more specifically and even when it's not good for him and that's always something that i feel like deserves some respect yeah and vin is looking at him and thinking about how uh how much she loves him but she's not right for him and he's now he now secretly hates her and so on and so forth and ellen thinks that it's more that she's upset because he's not king anymore and he lost and stuff uh, another classic story of two people who would like probably work out their issues if they just fucking talked about them. Yep. If Vin, if Vin just said, "Do you do you hate me?" after headbutting that guy to death, and Ellen said, <laughs> "Look, it scared the hell out of me, but I don't hate you." Then maybe this this would be fine. We wouldn't have fucking Zane doing his shit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it can only be said. I guess it can be said as many times as necessary, but communication is key for a healthy relationship. Yep. Yep. So, and ladies they, in the audience, just remember: if you do headbutt someone to death and your boyfriend sees it, <laughs> just talk to him. Because chances are just he might think it out. was really badass. Yeah. Yeah. He might be like, that was so cool. You'll be talking it out like oh, with a pane of glass between you, probably. Uh, yeah. In prison. But... <laughs> like hands up on the glass, matching each other's. <laughs> Oh yeah, let's let's see that case go to go to court. And looking at the evidence, it's like evidence says the defendant killed the person by headbutting him. Pop bullshit. You're free to go. Donk. <laughs> yeah. I mean, also, I mean, self-defense. I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah. But man, that would be pretty funny. I'd I'd, I'd uh, watch that show where Vin's in jail and Ellen comes to visit her, and then all the female inmates are like, "Oh, Vin, your boyfriend's so hot." She'd be like, "Leave me alone." <laughs> <laughs> no, no, now we have a Zen, a Zen, a Vin prison movie going on. Yeah, okay. But in the middle of this conversation, she remembers her dog buddy. It's like, wait, Orsor, is he okay? Where is he? And Ellen has gotten him a new body to eat, so it's all good. I, I like how her reaction is not like, oh, whose body did you take? Because she doesn't, at this point, she thinks it's a human body. Right. So she's not like, oh, what body did you use? She's just like, oh, okay, good. You're getting him a body. That's great. Okay, great. There were a bunch of dead guys laying around after that fight. It would probably be easy. Yeah. Well, I don't think he wants the headless body. Well, yeah, but there were five other ones, so at least five. I mean, they just said no one's going to recognize him, so. Mm. (laughs) Like, or, sir, can you make, like, your own sort of head? We kind of lost this one. Or, like, mix and match. We'll get you one guy's (laughs) skull and the rest of the – maybe? Maybe not? Okay. Oh, that's a good point. Like, if – yeah, if – if he eats like D- 
different bones from different bodies. So can he like Frankenstein and completely new looking body? That would be interesting. I don't like, know. imagine like he ate he ate uh, someone who's like seven feet tall and gets and uh, got I don't know who's just some random da- like Damu's head on top of that and was like man Damu's been working out. Ham <laughs> and Damu mix and match. <laughs> when we woke up, we had these bodies. <laughs> <laughs> and they get to talking about Set a little bit, and the, he's like, "Yeah, I mean, Set sure just hold up and keep pasting. The assembly didn't choose him, so I don't know what's going to happen now." And this is when they finally Vince like, "I mean, he must have thought they were going to choose him, right? Why else would he come into the city?" And Ellen says the same thing that everyone said when Set showed up was like, "It was an odd move in the first place." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hey, but man, he knows what Coloss can do. Maybe he wanted to be inside the walls as opposed to out. Ooh, yeah, well, it is. yeah, good point. Plus now so, he's inside the walls. He can like he can just send his guys to go looking for the adium because he thinks it's in here. It's true. Although Ellen That's thinks true. they've convinced him that there's not any adium in here. He says, I think he believes well, he has an insight. He thought he convinced his dad, too. But... That's true. Well, it's like all he's done is convince them that, they haven't, that he hasn't found it. Not necessarily that it's not there. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, they start talking about the uh, the attackers, and nobody recognizes them. They kind of all assume that Straff sent them since they did attack Set and Nelland, which logical, right? And Vin's like, I thought I recognized one of them, and he goes, which one? And she says, the last one. And he's like, ah, well, I guess we won't be able to identify him now. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, they don't have dental records, I guess. Well, they'd have to find all his teeth from the exploding yeah. head. So, True. You know. That's a terrible jigsaw puzzle. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we haven't really talked. I, I don't. I guess we may have talked about it on a previous episode, but I'm kind of curious what would uh, Jamie and Dak think on this. Do we think that Adium is in the city somewhere and they just haven't found it, or do we think it's gone? Um, I think I, I was leaning throughout. towards it being still in the city. Yeah. No. I um. I had the theory a little while ago, which I'm still leaning on, is like uh, the Lord Ruler was was using it to hold off the the mist, hold off the deepness somehow. That's right. That's right. Um, okay. And I'm I'm still maintaining. So it's gone. It's spent in yeah. that. So people are going to keep looking. They will never find it because the Lord Ruler has already used it all. Yeah, that is. I feel like I'm leaning more towards you, Deck. I feel like it's not. If if it's I I feel like it's definitely not in the city. But yeah, I don't know. I, that makes more. That makes the most sense. That it it just literally, literally didn't exist, and the Lord Ruler like parceled it out exactly proportionately to what he actually had, which is why he insisted that the mining continuously go on. Yeah. So why do you think it's not in the city? Just because for like story wise, or you think they would have found it if it was in the city by now? Or yeah, for me, I think they would have found it if it really was in the city okay. by now. I think they would have found it. That's fair. I mean, Ellen did say they searched pretty hard. Yeah, and and if not Ellen, like, you know, they could have put the scent onto the local street gangs. It's like every gang Luthadel wants to find a giant Adium cache. Yeah, so, like, somebody would have found it by now, and Adium would have been on the streets if that was the case, I feel like. Now, we know that they didn't use the Lord Ruler's palace as, like, their palace, like Ellen used Keep Venture. We don't really know if they are doing anything with the Lord Ruler's palace. What, we would have to assume that they searched it thoroughly, right? But... You think some people have yeah. moved in, or uh, would everyone be too yeah. intimidated? I don't know. Because you got to figure that's the first place you look for the Adium, right? Once it's not in the yeah. official Adium yeah. housing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would have used it as, like, a public space. Mm. Like, uh, like turn it into, you know, like, 
publicly owned property so that people could like use it for things. You know, tennis court in in there somewhere and sure yeah bi- bi- businesses pool. can go in there make it like a bazaar mm. it apparently ha- has a bunch of, it's the hill of thousand spires and apparently has a bunch of towers with like staircases going up them to little rooms and stuff so i don't know it's a weird uh some weird architecture they should probably just knock it down right if no one wants to use it necessarily turn it into something cool just put a theme park right in the middle of the city it's fine yeah call it lord <laughs> ruler land <laughs> that's not a good it's name a- for it at this point no <laughs> It's like they, they start knock they start knocking it down and all of a sudden like they knock the roof off this hidden room at the back and all the inquisitors are in there just like oh shit guys run run <laughs> <laughs> just call it call it Rashek world that reminds me of one of the Star Wars books where they knock they're knocking down buildings and then they found like a secret Empire hidey hole where they were they were like looking for Jedi and then Luke uses it to find new Jedi to build a new Jedi temple and stuff hmm. I don't think I've read that one. I've only read the Thrawn they trilogy found, though, so it wasn't in there. I don't know. They found yeah, the Thrawn trilogy is good. Yeah, yeah. They found Cerebra. There you go. Actually, I think the book in question is a, a sequel, like a direct sequel to the Thrawn trilogy. Oh, la da. Okay, sorry. Back to back to what we were doing. <laughs> Ellen gives her a bowl of soup that says sent, and she's like, "Sazed, so it's drugged then." And Ellen's like, "Well, I, I mean, he did tell me not to taste it, so yeah." And she drinks. <laughs> yeah, he's like, if you, yeah, if he, he's like, you drink that, you're gonna be in a coma, bro. And she's just like, you know what? I probably could use some rest. And she takes a pull and goes to sleep. And when she wakes back up, it's Zane in her room. Yeah, that's <sighs> really creepy, man. And he's just staring at her while she sleeps. Yeah. Now, like, now we're getting into Edward Cullen. Yep, this is like, Edward Cullen, 100%. Yeah, he's, he's like, I snuck into your room and watched you sleep. We've gone peak Cullen. Yeah. And then he immediately negs her, and he's like, you sleep too soundly. Yeah. And she's like, dude, did you see what happened? I got the crap beat out of me. I need some rest. Back up off me. And also, are you a vampire? Because I'm confused. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, dude, I've had a killer headache. <laughs> oh, no. Just no. <laughs> okay. So he's... He's kind of mad at her. He's like, you shouldn't even have been hurt. You should have been able to kill those people. No problem. You were distracted by my stupid brother. And in the annotations, Brandon says, I think Zane makes a lot of good points. The fight was too hard for Vin, and she really is kind of being turned into a tool. I don't think it's as bad as Zane implies, but he's being kind of honest here. Well, with that part, at least. We know he lies here in a second. Yeah. He's also throwing a temper tantrum. So let's just mm. let's just put that out there. He can make some good points, but he's still making them in the name of, I want you to myself. Yep. Yeah, I'm a freak. Let's be freaks together. It's, I, I you know, I'm super hot for you. Well, and one, he then he starts telling her that they didn't send the assassins, which Vin is immediately like, yeah, yeah, right. What am I, stupid? Now, he has one, in all the convincing he tries to do, it's like, oh, my dad wouldn't do that. He's too scared. His one good point is, why would Straff use... A bunch of mistings to attack you when he has me and we already know that I can kill you if I feel like it. We had that fight like five chapters ago. Remember? So. Right. Because Zane was the one who had the idea to to use the mistings mm-hmm. and his dad thought he would be helping. <laughs> Silly Straff. But he's like, I re-. and then 
when Vin ha- he realizes that Vin hasn't made the connection that he wanted her to make when he slipped this guy onto sat set staff. He's like, hey, I saw the bodies being carried out, and I totally recognize some of them from Seth's place. And she's like, oh, that's where I saw that guy before. He's pretending to be a servant at Seth's house. And so then apparently Seth just has really shitty security if like Strap right? is just seating his own mistings into his household stuff. Like he came in here with his staff and like a thousand dudes, right? Unless Straff planned way ahead and put his children into set staff, which we cannot think that he did based on how this went down. Then how's he not questioning these new people on his household staff? Unless he hired them after moving into Luthadel, I guess. To be quite honest, I think it's just because he's not that observant about staff. Why should he be? He's set. He doesn't care about them. Mm, That's fair, actually, yeah. Yeah. Okay. But this is where he tells her, Penrod made a deal with my father. Straff offered more wealth than Set could provide, and that's why the merchants changed sides. And so this just plays into the idea that, oh, Set knew that too. And so that's why he sent the assassins. If they kill Penrod, they kill Elend, and Set somehow magically survives, then they'd think they were – the assembly would think they were betrayed, and they'd vote for Set. Which, now that you put it that way, it's not a horrible plan. And he claims that he was stuck outside with the crowds and he came too late to get a seat, so he didn't know what was happening. BS. <laughs> That's some... Mm-hmm. Right. Because a mistborn I mean, gets stuck behind a crowd. <laughs> I mean, I know she's recovering here, but come on, Vin. Like, really? Just take the drugged broth. So. Yeah, she's just listening to all this. It's like, she's smart enough. She could put two and two together. Like, that's clearly not what happened. Yeah, where's that gut instinct now? Yeah, she's freaking blaming Demu and Doxon. <laughs> and he does, Zane does this whole thing where he's like, I'm not Ellen, but ugh, I'm teen angst. Oh. And then he ends by blah, being blah, like, blah, blah. I can't be Ellen, <laughs> but you don't want me to be. Next time. You he- don't want me to be Ellen, do you? And uh, he gives he gives her some adium in case Seth sends someone else. Here's something my brother can't give you. My heart. And this, <laughs> and this adium. Here, the adium, this. yeah. Oh, that's, that's nice. We got some adium now. Really bothered me. Like, the one one thing he said fairly early on actually made me really angry. Which is when, like, he's saying to, you know, saying, oh, you should have been taken down that easily. He was saying, oh, he's changed you. I'm like, you did not know her before all of this. <laughs> you don't get to make that call, you dick. Well, he knows about her history of being like a kid on the street, so she's definitely different from that. Yeah. I, he also knows her reputation of killing the Lord Ruler, and I guess in his mind, somebody who has the power to do that, if they can be taken down by by three thugs and three coin shots, he's probably thinking, what? No, he's mm, made her weak. Uh, well, I, once again, I see, I, I see the point, but it's, it still strikes me as like, one of those fanboys who meets a celebrity and it's like, oh, I know everything about you. And it's like, they actually, mm. you actually don't. I think yeah. Zane oh, I just, has just never so had. so angry at that. Zane's never had to do an escort quest is the problem. So he doesn't understand how to. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't understand how that works. <laughs> right. We move on to Vin kind of talking about how she's surprisingly okay with resting these days. Not like uh, the old days. And she's annoyed that Says and Tindwell are hanging out all the time. It's like, I barely get to see him. Why don't they hate each other still? What happened to that? Vin. And that's when Doggy or Sore shows up. Yep. Here he is in his new and improved dog suit. And she's surprised. And he's like, well, 
people have gotten used to having you having a dog. So if you didn't have a dog now, someone would notice, right? Which doesn't make any sense logically because everyone saw her dog no, die, it, like she says. But right, and also like this dog is a completely different color. Yeah, and he's just like, ah, you'll just tell people you got another dog, and she's like, and I trained it equally well in like <laughs> no time flat. What are you talking about? <laughs> just misbehave a little bit, also. <laughs> yeah, piss on the ca- carpet or something. Jeez. <laughs> But eventually he owns up to the fact that he kind of likes the, the bones. He's like, I have grown fond of these kinds of bones. I should like to explore their advantages a little more. And they get into the thing where she's like, I mean, she had this argument with Ellen earlier where he's like, Orster was just following his contract. And she's like, no, he like broke his contract for me. This is a big deal, Ellen. And Ellen's like, no, you know, Contra, following the contract. It's not, it's not a big deal. And she's like, dude, you broke your contract for me. And he's like, well, not not broken. I didn't kill that dude. So technically, we're still uh, copacetic. And she's like, but what if you tackled him and he did die? And he's like, well, then I would have gone home and been executed. No big. So he he put himself out there for her. And this is a big step in their relationship. Bro dog. Yeah, serious bro dog. <laughs> dog bro. Bro, bro, dog bro. Anyway. <laughs> she's like, oh, so you can be killed. I was like, well, yeah, duh. We're not immortal or anything. And I'm not going to tell you how to kill us, but, you know, it it can be done. But they couldn't have killed him with swords or sticks or anything like that, which is also what Ellen said. He's like, I don't know that they could have killed him. Even a Mistborn, Ellen did not think would be able to kill a Chondra. And this is where she starts kind of putting some stuff together that I feel like she should have put together a long time ago, where she's like, so wait, why were you so scared of us if we can't kill you? He's like, why would you subjugate yourselves to mankind if our soldiers couldn't hurt you? He's like, well, you have Alamancy. She's like, so Alamancy can kill you? He's like, no. Are you sure? Yes. No, that's not. <laughs> <laughs> and we find out that the Contra did not exist before the Lord Ruler's ascension. Their Lord teaches that they were created by the Lord Ruler for they don't know what purpose. Well, not a thing. And they call him father. Yeah. This is the... Okay, so I'm trying to put the pieces together because before he talked, he hinted at the origin of the Chondra and he said, we are of preservation and you are of ruin. And so now... Yeah, so now he's talking about the Lord Ruler like he's their father. But Mm -hmm. what is... So what does that previous statement mean? We are of preservation and you are of ruin if they weren't created by whatever preservation is if they were created by the lord ruler then how does that other thing fit in that's what i'm confused and it about. could just be more metaphorical where it's like yeah i don't know preserve things and you destroy things i guess but the capital letters on those really bothered me i mean they could be like sort of philo- philosophies that um that's sort of took, took it more as um like the lord ruler like you know he's already hinted that he's doing more behind the scenes to keep the mm-hmm. deepness away and whatever Right. I feel like he's had access to some prophecies or some knowledge from back when he was Rashek, and mm-hmm. he's whatever he's done to create the Kandra has been in service of those prophecies. So he's not just been mm-hmm. on a massive power kick and keeping the world safe the whole from the deepness just on his spare time. He's actually created the Kandra for a single purpose to do with that. Right. I don't quite know how it all plays yet. It plays out yet, but I feel like yeah. The Lord Ruler has some other knowledge that we're not yet privy to, and that's why that's become right. a thing. And, oh. and are we are we told at this point that he also created the Coloss? I don't think so. 
But I mean, he's he, well, said she, earlier. Vin thinks that, like he probably created the Colossus too. Oh, so she oh, okay. thinks she's following that train of thought herself. Not yeah. it's not necessarily the truth, because yeah, that would be interesting. Because I like where you're thinking you're going, Dak. You're saying the Conjurer were created for a specific purpose. What we what it is we are not sure of right now. Uh, and maybe the Colossus were created also for a very specific purpose, mm. but they kind of got out of his control, so he left them out on the perimeter of the of the kingdom. Or maybe being on the perimeter was part of their yeah. purpose. Yeah. Uh, so, and then it's Vin. She's following this train of thought, right? Where she's saying something must have happened. He had this power to create, and then it was gone. So, like, he may have had all these powers when it first happened, but then, I don't know. I keep going back to this thought, and I don't know that it's ever said in the book yet, but I just keep having this thought. It's like Alamancy didn't exist as it does now. Before the well of his, before Rasha came into power. Well, in this paragraph where he, she's like, he created the Chondra to serve him and probably the Kolos too. She says he might even have created Alamancers themselves. So, right. Which I thought, well, I thought we'd covered that in the first book. I thought they said, you know, the Lord Ruler granted Alamancy to his followers. Right. He did. It did. It did say that. But I mean, yep. that's with the, all the official story. Right. That's the official story. But you know, we we were trying to weed out. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Point. Red herrings and, and, and other yeah. And then I had come up with a theory a while back that maybe Elendi was the original Alamancer and he had that power and nobody else did. And then something happened at the Well of Ascension where that power was granted to everybody. Because mm-hmm. he's talking about in the prophecy, right? He's talking about giving something up at the Well. So maybe he was supposed to give up his power of Alamancy and then Rashek took it and gave it, it gave it out to everybody instead. You know, I don't know. Well, and there's one interesting note that kind of supports that is the fact that Vin is sensing this, like, pulsing with her bronze, right? And she doesn't know what it means, but she knows that the guy in the logbook felt it also. And we know that she is feeling it with with her bronze, like her seeking power. We don't know for sure right. that's the so, same way he felt it. Maybe it's something right. totally different, but it seems similar. But that would, that would give one you the idea that he had some kind of alimantic powers before um, mm. before going to the well. In which case, he had Alamancy before it was given to everybody. Or maybe it could have been... I mean, Dak was even theorizing originally that Alamancy was like a corrupted form of ferrochemy. And so it could yeah. even still be something along those lines where he had right. some sort of different thing. And the well kind of allowed the Lord Ruler to warp it somehow into something completely different. Yeah, maybe... Yeah, I don't know. Because... And we don't we we don't have the terrorist prophecies in front of us, so we don't know if they felt any kind of pulsing or if it was just a Lendy or what. But yeah, that's true. We don't know if other people could feel that. Yeah, we only have a Lendy's word for it. But I mean, she has a good point in that, and I I never thought about it before this point. But it's like he had this power at the Wall of Ascension, and we now it seems like from what the con from what Orsur is saying, it seems like that it gave him the power to create a new species, which is pretty fucking. That's a big thing to do. Yeah, but, that does kind of solidify him as a sort of god in a way. Yeah, but mm-hmm. he didn't – I mean she says it must have run out and quickly because otherwise why did he need armies to conquer the world? Like how could Vin have beaten him when she did if he had the, this kind of power, right? Yeah, maybe it's some kind of – I'm taking a deep dive here, and maybe we should have saved this for, for predictions, but oh well, we're, we're here. <laughs> uh, maybe it's some kind of – other alimantic metal that allows you to create life and it ran out. Um, mm, interesting. 
maybe he he had to push the metal out with like maybe he had duralumin i mean if if the inquisitors had the opposite of if they had aluminum maybe they also figured out duralumin or whatever it's called and uh, maybe the lord ruler had to use that in conjunction with whatever this other thing was to create life but because he uses it 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 fades very quickly and it's it's used up very quickly and maybe it's gone maybe there's more at the well but the lord ruler knew that it was too dangerous to go back i don't know Hmm. Interesting. That interesting theories. But what what Vin comes down to, or boils this down to, as she's thinking about it, based on what Orsa is saying, it's like he was controlling the conscious or the coloss somehow until she killed him, and then the coloss start to rampage. So maybe he built a method of control into them using his superpowers that he still had. Because he was still amazing at some way more amazing at some things than everybody else, right? He was still like the strongest Alamancer she'd ever seen, basically. Yeah. So, well, and then Orser says something very interesting about her in a, in a in a minute here. In a minute, yeah. That kind of speaks to that as well. It's yeah. like you you know you're like you're strange. You're like the original Alamancers. That's how strong you are, and that's that shouldn't be. Yeah. So to, well to get there. She tries using her emotional alamancy, a soothing, and nothing happens because we know the Chondra aren't affected by those. We've been told that before. But when yeah. she combines and really, it with... sorry, sorry, really, I just want to say, like, warn a guy. Tell him that you're about <laughs> to try this. Because it's really sad yeah. what happens. And she it could is. have warned him. Probably would have gone down completely differently if she'd just said, hey, can I try this? But Maybe, yeah. I don't think also knows that she's got the Duralumin. Does he? No one knows that she's figured it out yet. Right, because even even when she tested it in front of people, she she didn't think it was working, and then she figured it out on her own without, and then never told anyone. I don't think at yeah. all that that she figured out how to work it. Yeah, she discovered it when she used it with tin and like basically knocked herself out with how much the sound yeah. hit her. And right. Orser was there for that. He walks up and is like, "Hey, are you okay?" But I don't know that we ever see her Why explain are you down to there, him. Human. But uh, yeah, she uses Duralumin with her push, and he lets out a howl and seems to be in like horrible pain. And she stops, and she's like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And he's like, I said too much. Knew it. Damn it, I said too much. And he's just like, it, she's like, I didn't mean to hurt you. And he's like, it doesn't matter what you meant. But the mistake was mine. Please never do that again. And that's where he comes in, and he's like, you shouldn't even be able to do it. They're, you're weird. You're like the Alamancers of old before the passage of generations dulled their powers. And she's just like, I'm sorry you saved my life and almost like broke your contract and this is what I do. And he's like, it's done. I need to rest. I suggest you do this. I, I really hope she hasn't burnt that bridge. Hey, that would yeah. be so sad after all of the relationship building we've seen this whole book. Eh, maybe Brandon's setting us up for my theory to be correct and he's actually slit her throat. <laughs> metaphorically not physically oh i thought you're like he, he, t- he tells her to rest and she goes to sleep and he's just gonna no 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 i meant like you know betrayal or you know if we were playing halo it would be betrayal <laughs> and brandon says in the annotations that vin is obviously backsliding a bit here and we get two indications of it in this chapter the first is the way that she looks at dresses she's convinced herself again that they're wrong for her and that they re- represent this thing that she's not but the second larger indica- indication of her descent is what she does to Orsor. It should feel a little out of place. This is something she might have tried at the beginning of the book when she didn't get along with him. 
but doing it now is a major relapse. And I hope you can follow her thought process and see that she's confused and frustrated and trying to do anything that might give her an edge and ends up going too far. Yep. So Yeah, that's what happens, all right. Okay, any final thoughts on these chapters before we get into predigments? Let's get out of Luthadel. <laughs> <laughs> but don't you want to be here for when the armies attack? Come on. No. no why would be I exciting. Wanna, why would I want to do that? <laughs> There's way okay. more exciting stuff Carlos going on Paul, Everybody dies. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, okay, predigments. Let's do it. Uh, Joe can go first this time. What do you got? I mean, you already oh, kind of did some, but... Yeah. Uh, yeah, like, let's I mean, come on. Get out of Luthadel already. There's no there's no kingship to be had here. Essentially, all of the crew members uh, would either have to step back or basically say, well, our priority to protect this kingdom is higher than our priority to save our own skins. So let's let's stay here and try to work with Penrod. Like, I don't see... I don't feel like that's the best move for them, especially when Straff comes in. So get out of get out of Luthadel. Let's let's go on an epic journey to the well. Let's find out about the origin of the Chondra and the Coloss, and let's get it going. You're still like, there's this other story. It's more interesting than the story we're watching. Let's hear yes. that story. I got you. Okay. Yeah, let's do that. All right, fair enough. Um, ba -ba 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 Jamie. What do you got? So, if Alan's not king now, I guess that frees him up to be involved, I guess, a bit more with Vin mm, yeah. um, and potentially going to the well. I, I sort of never really thought that Alan would go on that journey, but maybe this is something that he can do now. Also, who really knows where Zane's allegiance lies? I don't actually – he's on Zane's side. He's not on Straff's side. He's not on Vin and Ellen's side. He's – yeah, I mean, sending all his misting brothers and sisters to their doom is um, an interesting, interesting move. Like, he really <laughs> wants Vin to be really good and come out on top easily, like whether he's just trying to prove that to her. I was sort of thinking that maybe – I mean, Straff, Straff wants them all to die now. It's just like, just get rid of all of them. They're all a risk to him coming into Luthadel at all. So maybe maybe Zane will go with them. Not not it's going to be all like, oh, Zane and Ellen, happy brothers. Woo, this is awesome. But <laughs> That's a relationship <laughs> that I want to see, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm not sure. But I think that he, well, especially now that there's that little bit of discomfort between Vin and Ellen about, Vin's powers, she's going to want to explore that more. She's also got also saying, you know, you're pow more powerful than you should be. She already knows she can do things that she's not supposed to be able to do. Also, now that she's been able to use Alamancy on a Kandra, I think that's going to give her, you know, I, I know that she's a little bit unhinged a little bit at the moment, but maybe she will be able to find out who the the, the Kandra spy is mm. using Alamancy. Like she, she'll rule that back in. Damn it, um, that's gonna be mine. <laughs> sorry, Dak. <laughs> that's all right. That's all right. I mean, she um, may actually have just she she may know something that no other living human knows at this point. That's interesting. About um, I mean, I, you know, something tells me maybe the Inquisitors know it. Hmm. Okay. Fair enough. Well, that was yeah. Well, they it. did say like, Kandra never get close to Inquisitor. That might explain it. Yeah. True. True. Yep. But also, like, what was 
yeah, what was the Lord Ruler trying to create? I mean, what if he, he's – because now, you know, potentially he's created the Colos, he's created the Khandra, he created the Inquisitors. Like, what was he trying to create? What what was their purpose? You know, if the Colos have kind of gone off the rails and he's then invented the Khandra, we don't really know what their purpose was, but they know that they've got to be kept in line with this contract – what if the third option was the Inquisitors? They've created the Inquisitors and now they're doing the job that the Colos should have done, the the Kandra should have done, or are they all working on this thing together without even really knowing that that's what they're doing? Interesting. Um, yeah, so the Inquisitors will definitely have to come back into it at some point, but I suspect we'll probably find them closer to the well. So you think the Inquisitors are like equivalent to these other two, like another completely new species that he created somehow? Well, he's created them out of people and, yeah. and, and alamances. So it's it's not like he's gone and created an entirely new species, but okay. the the Kandra, for example, are a more highly evolved form of our mist race. That's true. You know? So if he's taken the mist race and done something with them to Ooh. further enhance them or guess I guess, um, the Colos, whether he's I don't know, created yeah, zombies. What, what would they have been growth. from? Yeah, I, I'm not sure, but he he was trying oh, to do something. Well, that's yeah, zombie, weird blue zombie monster things. They were uh, yeah. they were cats. They were elves, and he corrupted them. <laughs> yeah. Orcs. Well, because yeah. I, mean, I mean, like the 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 Coloss just seemed like decomposing bodies that he's brought to life, and he's like, well, that didn't work. Let's make uh, let's combine dead bodies instead with uh, mist wraiths, and then we've got Kandra. It's like. Well, that didn't work either the way I wanted to, so let's just combine living bodies with metal this time, and we got Inquisitors, so... Yeah, yeah. You, you you just shove spikes into some humans, and you get an Inquisitor, right? It's all good. Well, there's something mm. darker. Why well, didn't I think about that stuff. before? Yeah, yeah Marsh doesn't want to talk about it. Nope. nope. Just, it, it's messy. That's all that we know. <laughs> yeah. And again, like, he's been gone for so long at this point, it's almost like Brandon wants us to forget about him, but uh, there's something there's something bad going on with Marsh. Something's going yep. on. Okay. Fair mm. enough. Um, okay, I'm sorry, Jamie. Was, was that everything? I don't want to move on to Dak. If you have more no, predictions. I, okay. I think that was I think that was it. Okay. Dak, what do you got? Yeah, I was going to say, like, the big bomb at the end of this chapter was Vin now has a foolproof method of detecting Kandra with Allomancy, mm. um, which she she might start to use. But again, like this, that could be a bit of a bridge souring between her and Orisor, which I really don't want because I love those two together. Mm. Like, Doing that to regular um, humans, though, might get a bad reaction, too. Because she did the same thing to Straff, basically, where she just like yeah. combined Duralumin with a Soothe and it like crushes all of his emotions. So you get this bad reaction from Kondra, but I don't feel like humans are going to react well. No, they're going to be like, what the hell is happening to me? Well, I mean, like Damu is a, is a member of the Church of the Survivor, so she's like, "Hey, look, I'm Lady Air. I need to test something. I need you to be my <laughs> test subject for a bit. This is gonna feel weird, but just bear with me." He's like, "All right, let's do this shit." And then she does that, and all of a sudden he screams in pain. She's like, "Aha! I knew it." She's gonna use use her her status to her advantage to be mean to people. That's that's harsh. Like, she, well, she yeah. she says she thinks she thinks it's Damu or Doxin. So like, she, one or the other, she just sits down and says, "Look." I'm going to do something and I need you to trust me. And if they're human, they'll just be like, wow, that's really fucking powerful. <laughs> that was unpleasant. That? Yeah. And, but if, if they're Kandra, they they just start screaming and I don't know, crap their pants. And, um, and she's like, all right, found you. I mean, really there's gotta be more to it than just 
ouch, that really hurts if you're a conjurer, right? Like, that's a weird weakness to build into them if that's all it does is ow. Well, so I mean, also collapsed. Else. You know, like he was, he couldn't, he could barely move. And that was from soothing emotions. Like, I, I, I don't know. Does it, if it yeah, also, it like, if it has to be soothing specifically or if it's, um, like any any other kind of super powered duralumin mm. alimantic powers. Okay. Anything else? Not on my own. I've just, I've been thinking about what the other guys are saying about uh, the various things the Lord Ruler has created. I did give a quick skim of the of metals on the periodic tables, and I was like, oh, the Lord Ruler burned Prometheum, and that gave life to the. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but yeah, no, I get the feeling that each thing the Lord Ruler created was just another was something else to try and keep the mists at bay, because that really seems like that was his mo the whole time, okay. uh, and he's using Adium to try and do it, and like. Yeah, it just seemed like as time went on, he got he didn't get quite as good at it. He was trying to find something that he didn't have to keep putting so much effort into controlling. I feel like the Coloss were the first draft, and they were really hard to control. So he's like, well, they were a bit of a write-off. So then he's tried other methods like the the Kandra, and then finally the Inquisitors. And uh, he's been using Atium in his experiments to try and just create something that can hold the mist back so he doesn't have to do it all the time, maybe? I don't know. But it seems like that has been... Rashek's thing the entire time is work on things that will hold the mist back. He's got like a mad scientist lab hidden under that that weird hut where he hangs out once every three days and he's like got test tubes and he's testing Adium to figure out some stuff. Okay, yeah, I like it. Okay. Now I'm I'm just trying to, I want to find fan art as a Lord Ruler as a mad scientist now. But anyway. (laughs) um, Keeping on the Futurama theme, he's the professor. Yeah, obviously. He's like, here's here's the thing longer. (laughs) The the Lord Ruler thing longer standing in the pentagram. Hail science. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Sure. Demons, science. It's it's all the same. Sure. Yeah. Yep. For next time, we're doing chapters forty one and forty two. That's just two chapters this time. It's the first time in a little while mm. that we've done just two, but they're longer chapters. So, and uh, just to remind everyone, I don't know that we hit on it at the beginning of this episode like we did the last one. We're recording this one and the next two, well, and the previous one kind of back-to-back, so if you're sending emails or anything, it may be a while before you actually hear them on here, because by the time you hear this, we won't be recording for like two or three more weeks. So, 41 and 42, very exciting, fun chapters with, I'm sure there's lots more battles, lots more heads exploding, and eyes getting poked out. It's going to be great. Oh, music by Miracle Sound. Music by Miracle of Sound. So that is it for this week. Oh, I'm sorry. If, even though we won't read them for a while, if you want to email us, it's thesanderlanch at gmail.com, or you can find us on the Facebooks, or on the Instagrams, the Sanderlanch, or on the Twitter. They, they all have the at the beginning of them now. The Sanderlanch. Uh, send us stuff any of those places. We will see it. Uh, leave us reviews on uh, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. We would appreciate that. Wasing to the time of next. We try, try, try to keep a little Never let it fade